start with a story about a guy named Bill. Back in 71, um, he was flying to London. He was an executive with Coca-Cola. He was flying to London to meet with other Coca-Cola marketing employees and some some people from a band, a group, that were kind of popular at the time. They had some popular songs. And they were going to write and record a song that would be used in Coca-Cola radio commercials. They already had the music, but they didn't yet have the lyrics. And so they were going to get together and write this song. Well, the London airport was socked in with fog. The flight was diverted to Ireland. And all these angry, frustrated people ended up having to spend the night in Ireland. Um, So Bill wakes up the next morning, goes to the airport, and when he gets there, he describes an entirely different scene, that all of these frustrated, angry people were all sitting at tables together, laughing, having conversation. Just it was a completely transformed scene. But he also saw that many of them had in their hands a bottle of Coke, had a thought, all these people from all over the world in this one place transformed from angry and frustrated into happy, having conversation, and they're drinking a Coke. And this thought occurred to him. He got out a piece of paper and a pen, and he wrote down, I'd like to buy the world a Coke. (laughs) Now, some of you have no idea what in the world that means, but he had a vision, if you will, in that moment. At that time, in 1972, 100 million people a day all over the world, drank a Coke. And so to him, let's have a Coke was a way of bringing peace and harmony to the planet. How's that for an amazing vision of worldwide impact? Um, Because it's been said that Coca-Cola's vision all along is that no matter where you went in the world, if you were in the middle of the jungle of the Amazon, that people would recognize a Coca-Cola logo. Now they needed a song to match the vision. So he makes it to his destination, and he shares this little lyric, his vision. And to make a long story short, it went on to become the most expensive commercial ever made in the world up to that time. A hillside in Italy sometime later, people from all sorts of ethnic backgrounds singing about peace, harmony, and Coca-Cola. <laughs> and if you turned on the TV in the early 70s, you could be watching a soap opera, the evening news, sports. It did not matter. You heard people sing, I'd like to teach the world to sing in perfect harmony. I'd like to buy the world a Coke and keep it company, right? Yeah. <laughs> so popular that they convinced that same band to write an entire song, leave out Coca-Cola, and they did, and it went on to become a top 10 hit. Yeah. Oddly enough, when he first pitched that line to the team, I'd like to buy the world a Coke, there was one guy who responded, you know, if I could buy everybody in the world one thing, it wouldn't be a Coke. Vision not cast well to that one dude. He said, if I could buy some, everybody in the world something, it would be a home where they could have peace and love. And Bill looked at this man and said, um, okay, that's what we'll sing about. 
but we'll just work a bottle of Coke into it. Yeah. <laughs> when Bill Backer lived in that day of 100 million people, the, the number is up to 1.9 billion people a day drink a Coke in 200, over 200 countries. 3% of the time someone sticks something up to their mouth to drink it. On this planet, it's a Coke. That's, that's vision. Um, but he tapped into something in a day when, you know, a Vietnam War po- protest, a day of chaos and confusion and violence, he tapped into a longing, a desire for peace and for harmony. Um, and it spread like wildfire. Um, incredible, isn't it? Now, why then? Why there? Why now? Like, is there more going on than I want to buy the world a Coke and keep it company, right? I mean, why the longing? Well, for one, we know we don't have it. <laughs> we know what we don't have. We don't have everybody sitting together laughing in peace and harmony. Um, it'd be good if we had some of that. But I wonder if it taps even deeper into a deeper longing of our hearts. A longing for peace, a longing for harmony. Um, does it even go down to our hearts knowing that something's been lost and we're not sure what it is? And does it even tie in creation? When they rewrote the song, the first verse said, I'd like to buy the world a home and furnish it with love, grow apple trees and honeybees and snow white turtle doves. Boy, doesn't that just hit you where you live, right? We even know that there's something wrong with the planet and we're not sure what it is. This past Monday in my worldview class, we asked the question, what went wrong? What went wrong? Um, Because the week before, we asked the question, how did it all begin? And the week before, we told the story, (coughs) excuse me, the story begins, how did it all begin, with an eternal creator God who creates this world, who creates this garden where Adam and Eve live in harmony. And this harmony goes in four directions. This harmony goes between people and God, between people and nature, between the people and then even within themselves. They worked in a garden where the soil cooperated, where nature cooperated and didn't work against them. They worked together. God is there. They're in harmony with themselves. They're at peace with themselves. It doesn't take much to realize Um, We don't live there, (laughs) right? So you have to ask the question after how did it all begin, what went wrong? What in the world happened? Why are we not there? And the church has to have a vision for that because it's what I was emphasizing to my students this week. If you don't know what went wrong, you will not have the correct solution. 
If you don't know the disease, you will not have the right cure. And everybody has a story about what's wrong. And if you want to know why people get freaked out about stuff they have no business freak, getting freaked out about, it's because they don't know what went wrong. And so they go looking for the wrong cure. Of course, the next question is, is there any hope for rescue? And the next question after that is, what is the future hold? And that's our passage today because our passage has this, these words in it, joy and peace, right? And the church, when we get a, a vision for that, right, because we know where we came from, we know what went wrong, and we know where it's all going, then we know what to be doing in the meantime, right? So you've got this, this, this verse, we just read it, I'll read it again. You will go out and join. Now, we saw this when we went through the modern prophets. You've seen this if you read Isaiah. The prophets always did this. It was, this is going to get bad, but let us give you a picture of what the future holds. Like, no matter how awful it was going to get, and it's going to get awful for the people Isaiah is talking to, there's always this picture of what the future holds. And he tells them, you're going to go out in joy. After telling them, you're going to go out and it's going to be bad. You're going to go out in joy, and you're going to be led forth in peace. He's, he's describing kind of a second exodus, if you will, a, a second going out. You're going to go out. You're going to come out of captivity. You're going to come out of slavery. And you're going to come out of that, and you're going to come into joy, into peace. And this is that great word, shalom. Shalom. If you ever go to Israel, it's, it's as popular as aloha in Hawaii. Never been to why but it's just it's everything from a general greeting a wish for happiness and success and friendship all the way to the idea of wholeness and completeness of life so in Israel if it's the Sabbath people will greet you with Shabbat Shalom Sabbath peace to you. It's just a general greeting. Health to you, happiness to you, friendship, success. But even deep in their hearts, they know there's a longing for wholeness and completeness that captures everything, right? The message, if you read the message, captures it with this frame, phrase. You will go out with joy and be led forth in a whole and complete life. A whole and complete life. That is the promise. That is what the future holds. Because it's not happening now, so it must still be happening. And it's like a parade and the celebration is, the, is, is, is nature, is creation. You will go out in joy and be led forth in shalom. The mountains and the hills will burst into song before you, and all the trees of the field will clap their hands. <laughs> uh, if, maybe you need to close your eyes for a second and think about this. What do singing mountains and hills look like to you? What do trees clapping their hands look 
looked like to you? Can you imagine it? Like, okay, for me, I've been on top of a mountain in East Tennessee in the fall where it looks as if God made a quilt with five million shades of orange and yellow and he just gently laid this quilt across these mountains and it's mind-blowing. That's kind of what I picture when I picture singing mountains and the trees of the field. Maybe for you, you picture a, a field covered in as far as you can see with blue bonnets and Indian paintbrushes, right? Just colors beyond imagination. Maybe that's what the applause of nature looks like to you. Only I believe the, the, the purples will be purplerer and the oranges will be orangerer and the greens will be greenerer, right? Because it will just be perfectly remade. We saw this in Revelation, didn't we? <laughs> but he's picturing this four-way harmony in the future and nature getting in on it. That's so big. Harmony, shalom with God, shalom with one another. Shalom with our own hearts and shalom with nature. This is all over Isaiah, but it's all over the Psalms. This wasn't just the prophets saying, I've seen the future and this is what it looks like. This is the poets and the songwriters saying, let's imagine this. Let's engage our minds and our imaginations and let's sing about it. Let's write poetry about it so people can sing it and pray it. Let me just give you one example. Psalm 98. Sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm have worked salvation for him. The Lord has made his salvation known and revealed his righteousness to the nation. Nations, he has remembered his love and his faithfulness to Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Burst into jubilant song with music. Make music to the Lord with the harp, with the harp and the sound of singing, with trumpets and the blast of the ram's horn. Shout for the joy before the Lord, the King. Let the sea resound and everything in it. Come on, fish. Whales, starfish, whatever's swimming around out there. Let the sea resound. Let the rivers clap their hands. And a, an applauding river. Yay, God. Only a roaring river. Let the mountains sing together for joy. Let them sing before the Lord. And here's the fascinating line. For he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples with equity. Now, isn't it an amazing thing, and we'll see this, that the future salvation of God's people is tied in with his judgment and justice and righteousness toward those who are the enemies of the Lord's people and those who do not know and worship him. Let me read some Isaiah. It's just too good not to. Isaiah 35, the desert and the parched land will be glad. Imagine a glad desert. Remember that map I put up of, 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 of Africa that week where like there's two halves of Africa, the bottom half is green Africa and the top half is brown Africa? What would it look like if it were all green Africa, right? A desert that's glad. The wilderness, and think about what the wilderness looked like in Isaiah's day, just rocks and the wilderness would rejoice and blossom. 
Like the crocus, it will burst into bloom. It will rejoice greatly and shout for joy. So strengthen the feeble hands, steady the knees that give way. Say to those with fearful hearts, be strong, do not fear. Your God will come, and listen to this, here it is again. He will come with vengeance, with divine retribution. He will come to save you. You will be brought out of that. So, so if you're here today and you're feeling like, man, my, my, my hands are feeling feeble. My knees are feeling like they're going to give way. My heart is full of fear. He says, hey, someday the rivers are going to applaud. Someday the mountains are going to sing. Someday the trees are just going to burst into jubilant song. It's coming. It's coming. There's going to be a harmony i say 35, the rest of it, no lion will be there, nor any ravenous beast come upon it. In other words, there's not going to be any ravenous beast to come and be worried about. The ransom of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing. Everlasting joy shall be on their heads. They shall obtain gladness and joy. Sorrow and sighing will flee away. Where did sorrow and sighing go? Oh, they ran. <laughs> Some of you probably know a song about the redeemed of the Lord shall return with singing and design. Maybe not. <laughs> Just on and on. I, I could keep reading all these passages from Isaiah. Terror removed. A city rebuilt. From the unfailing love of God. Instead of, go back to Isaiah 55, and instead of the thorn bush will grow the juniper. Where did the thorn bush come from? What was the curse when Adam disobeyed? When Adam disobeyed, he said, well, your, your work is about to be labor. Has your work ever been labor when you would rather it had just been work? Right? The machines always break down. The internet always fails when you need it not to. Right? Just, the stuff breaks. That's thorns. <laughs> your work has thorns. Adam brought thorns into the mix. <laughs> so work gets hard. You know what's going to be where thorns are? Juniper. I know some trees. I can't remember what a juniper looks like. It's going to be pretty. Instead of briars, we know what the briars are. We'll have myrtle. Do you see what's happening? All of the harmony that was ruined from disobedience will be renewed and reestablished because of the obedience of Jesus Christ, who, being in very nature God, made equality with God, was not something that he held on to, that he grasped, but he became made in human likeness, became a servant even unto death sits at the Father's right hand. He will come again one day. Remake it all. We saw this in Revelation. The poor and the needy search for water, but there is none. We'll make this the last one. Their tongues are parched with thirst, but I, the Lord, will answer them. I, the God of Israel, will not forsake them. I will make rivers flow on barren heights and spring within the valleys. I will turn the desert into pools of water and the parched ground into springs. I will put in the desert the cedar and the acacia, the myrtle and the olive. I will set junipers on the wasteland, the fir and the cypress together. 
Why? So that people may see and know, may consider and understand that the hand of the Lord has done this. So there's this day coming when God's people and God's creation will be back in harmony again. Renewed nature will not hold back. It will not rise up and destroy. And guess what? Remade people will not exploit or ruin nature for selfish reasons. A remade paper, people and a remade nature will live together. Beautiful to behold beyond anything we've ever witnessed. My days are like the evening shadow. I wither away like grass. But you, O oh Lord, sit enthroned forever. Your renown endures through all generations. It's all about the renown of the Lord. People grow old and die. The grass grows old and dies. God doesn't age. Generation after generation after generation, he is renowned. Goodness, we could just keep reading the passages. I'm not going to, but we could just keep going. Jeremiah 33. So, in all these promises you not only see the promises of future peace and harmony and wholeness, but you see the promise of righteousness, justice, and judgment. So you're saying, do we just sit back and wait and do nothing? No, I want to assure you that God's enemies do not have the last word, and we don't need to act like they do. We don't need to act like they do. Illness doesn't have the last word. Nature as it is doesn't have the last word. Salvation and deliverance into joy and peace will mean deliverance from everything that's not joy and shalom. See, this is why I be- one of the reasons why I believe over and over and over again the Red Sea comes up in Scripture. Remember the Red Sea, remember the Red Sea. Why? Because God's people were at the edge of destruction with Egypt and Pharaoh behind them, bearing down in chariots and horses, the Red Sea in front of them. And what does he always say? He saved you through the Red Sea. But he also saved them by the Red Sea. The water that parted for them came down on their enemies' heads. (laughs) That's God saying, remember who's in control of nature here. So when you go to Romans, and I'll just read my favorite chapter in the Bible. It's the best chapter in the Bible. Everybody knows Romans 8. It's the best chapter in the Bible. But it says, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. Present sufferings, horrible, awful. We shed tears. We sigh. We groan. And he says, but there's a glory coming that will be revealed in us, the sighing, the groaning, the feeble-handed people. For the creation waits. Creation's waiting in eager expectation. The mountains and the hills are just like they've got the song on their lips going, when do we get to sing? The trees are, they've got their hands out. They're ready to bring them together. For the children of God to be revealed. Creation wasn't subject to frustration by its own choice, by the one who subjected, sub, God subjected creation to this. 
in the hope that creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and the glory of the children of God. All of creation is groaning till now. We are groaning, but our hope is that we will be remade, and when we're remade, creation will be remade. Or maybe it's at the exact same time. I don't know how that's going to look, but it's going to be incredible. (laughs) And it will all be for the Lord's renown. In Isaiah, there's three times in these brief chapters, there are three things that are everlasting. God's loving kindness, his covenant, and the renewal and restoration of the world. An everlasting renewal. So, it all started with shalom. It's all headed to shalom. In between, shalom is lost and disobedient. Shalom is forfeited. How are you going to bring shalom? The peace bringer. So how do we get back to the fourfold peace? Peace with ourselves. Peace with God. Peace with each other. That's what Jesus came to bring. Maybe people were expecting that Jesus would bring this when he came to the first time. He's bringing it the next time. So we have a better song than I'd like to teach the world to sing and buy them a coca. As a matter of fact, I didn't think, I didn't think of it till it was too late, but I was like, we really need to sing Joy to the World today. Joy, because it was written for the second coming, not the first. Joy to the world, the Lord has come. Let earth receive our king. Every heart prepare him room. And heaven and nature sing. <laughs> yeah. Buy the world a Coke. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you see, the story that we are in, every, every good story answers the question, how did it all begin? What went wrong? Will there be rescue and what's the future hold? Every story tells the story. Set it up, mess it up, fix it up, wrap it up. Every story has those four parts. How did it all begin? What went wrong? Can we be rescued? What's the future hold? We know how it began. We know what went wrong. Therefore, we know the right answer to is there any hope for rescue? The story taps into the deepest longing of the human heart. And we're right in the middle of it. So make sure you're living in the right story. Because if you're living in a story that maybe you know how it began, but you're really not sure what the problem is, Jesus came to solve the right problem. And he's coming again to finish it. So you ask, what kind of God can inspire a prophet like this? Our God can. What kind of king directs history like this? Our God does. Who taps in to the deepest longing of the hearts? Our God does. So when you walk out those front doors today, know what you're looking at. Those big tall trees in the front, those are God's trees, and they're waiting to applaud Just imagine them clapping. (laughs) Imagine them clapping. Because that's where it's heading. That's where the story's going, and every other answer is going to fail. It comes from the outside and works this way. And so that's Isaiah 55. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. It's it's, it's the earlier picture of what Revelation already told us. Shalom has come. 
Shalom is in our hearts. Shalom is going to come to the world. He rules the world, what? With truth and grace. It makes the nations prove what is the glories of his righteousness and the wonders of his love. It's close to December. We can almost, we're, we're about to sing that song, y'all. Just hang on, hang on. <laughs> Will you pray with me? God, thank you for Isaiah 55. Thank you for inspiring it. Thank you for putting this in Isaiah's heart and for moving him along like wind in the sails. Thank you, Spirit, for giving this to us, for preserving this to this day so that by the encouragement of the Scriptures, we might have hope. Lord, it is a hopeless world out there. Good gracious, our own bodies tell us of our weakness. Our own bodies tell us what the problem is. Sin and death have entered this world and it's infected everything. We know the king. We know the one who rules the story. Lord, I pray that we would live like it. May we live with joy. May we learn to all the one another's to be at peace with one another because we're at peace with God, to, to love one another because we're loved by God. Your kingdom's not in trouble, Lord. It's, it's, this is where it is. It's happening. So God, I just pray that every day this week when we look out the window at, at nature, when we're standing out in the yard, we would just know there's going to be applause. There's going to be singing. And we're going to be in the parade because <laughs> we're going to be made new with it. May we live like people who believe the story. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.